Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Untranslatable Podcast. Today we are focusing on American foreign language instruction. Uh, Jared's got the police coming after him, it sounds like. Uh, we are here today to discuss um, more specifically why you maybe can't speak a foreign language very proficient, very proficiently after four years of uh, a language, which I think is unfortunately the case for many people. But before we get into it, uh, I want to welcome my amazing co-host, Jared. What's going on, buddy? Hello. Hello. Perfect timing. As soon as we hit play, the fire truck goes by. Um, not the cops this time. <laughs> they came last <laughs> night. <laughs> um, if, uh, if you want to uh, follow us and hear more fun quips like that, follow us on Twitter at Untranslatable1. Or you can follow us on Instagram, Untranslatable Podcast. Uh, I and Chad are, we're always, I and Chad, Chad and I are always posting fun new things. Or you can email us at the untranslatable podcast at gmail.com. Tell us stuff, untranslatables, travel stories, travel tips, travel gear. Um, hello. Anything travel related, basically. Or, I never say this, but I should. You could also rate only five stars, though. That's the only thing they allow you to do these things. It's so weird. <laughs> but, I mean, what else would you give anyway? Five stars. Say some That's nice true. things. You don't even have to say nice things. You could also just give the five stars. But uh, either way would be nice. Thanks. Most um, definitely. So, hey, Chad, I was um, walking down the street the other day, speaking of Instagram, and I saw this uh, cafe that I've also I've honestly lived in the area of for years and walked by probably uh, hundreds of times. But uh, this one time, maybe because I finally started uh, opening my ears, I think is the proper term. Uh, excuse mm -hmm. me. I think the proper term is eyes. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, true. But ears as well. <laughs> Uh, wow. Um, I noticed this French saying in this, um, in this uh, cafe, and I was like, huh. And I was like, I'm not a French expert, but, um, I, but I'm curious what that says. And I was like, I believe I know what some of those words mean, and they don't seem like nice words. So the phrase was, va te faire en coulé dans le cool. Okay, wait, isn't coulé but... Or ass? No. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Ooh, all right. You like an, uh, You actually <laughs> commented on it, and you said, "I don't know what that is, but it sounds beautiful." And I was like, <laughs> right. "Yeah, wow." <laughs> I was like, "I don't know if you're serious right now, but." <laughs> there, there was a little bit of sarcasm in there, but it's hard to. Hard My to sister tell actually just commented on it, and she's like, and she speaks French, and she's like, "Clutches pearls." <laughs> but what it translates to is "fuck you in the ass" or "go fuck yourself in the ass." Oh wow! And I'm like, huh, that's an interesting thing to have written in your, uh, in your restaurant. And 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 um, the funny thing is, it's like, I I'm sure most people don't even notice it, or if they do, have no idea what it says, and say something like you, like, oh wow, lovely, right? <laughs> Look French. at that French. It's a French They're so cafe. cultured, <laughs> right? And I, I thought that I've was hilarious, that. and I have so many questions that I didn't ask, right? Oh my god, <clears> that is so funny. You ought to walk into that cafe sometime and be like, do you guys actually know what that says? I wanted to ask, but they were, it was, I walked by at closing time. Like I walked by mm -hmm. as they were locking the door and I wasn't going to like, like, uh, you know, knock on the door. <laughs> but, hey, 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 hey guys, wait, unlock that real quick. Do you know your, your, uh, <laughs> your window has a bunch of swear words in it, don't you? <laughs> oh, that's too funny. But I do like the kind of the irony too. First of all, it's perfect for our, uh, episode today on, um, people not in America, not being able to, uh, learn another language. 
because mm-hmm. I, it's just interesting that I, first of all, I, I kind of know the language and I never noticed it. How many people walk past that and have no idea what it says? And, oh, then the, sure. and then the the odd like actual French person that's there on vacation is like, wait, what's up with this uh, restaurant? <laughs> and the person's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's They're a like, great place. A... You've never been to one shot? It's great. <laughs> right. Is this a swingers club slash restaurant? <laughs> what is this? Like, yeah. Oh, that's great. It says, you're you know what, it says everyone is welcome inside in French. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, inside you, you of your ass. <laughs> you, you know what's funny, though, is I feel like there's kind of a similar thing here in with English in, in a lot of places in Europe and in Asia where they'll put stuff in English to make it cool or, or you know, in this case, French to make it seem more cultured, right? Right. And, and I've seen so many students at my school that have shirts like, I don't give a fuck, but the U is like an, like an X, right? So it technically doesn't say it. Yes. You know, but here, like, the, the, the school dress code rules are way different than in the States. And I feel like because English isn't the first language here, you can get away with a lot of stuff. It's kind of like the same thing when you see pictures of people from China or, or Asia with, like, hilarious, like, sayings on their shirt. Yeah. And they probably bought it just because it's English and they think it's cool. I saw this hilarious shirt one time. It was this old Asian woman. And it said something like, said something like, uh, um, slipping on gator piss, something like maybe, that. Maybe, maybe something like that. <laughs> or, uh, it was something like, like, I think it was like, it said like gangster bitch or ghetto bitch or something like that. There's this like old Chinese woman. It was hilarious. <laughs> That's funny. I had a friend in Germany. He had a, um, he had a couple shirts from a company called Fakuk, F-C-U-K. And it was French Connection UK, and it was the, was the name of the company. And so they had a bunch okay. of shirts that had like Fakuk written on it. And uh, he was not, he actually was, they asked him not to wear those shirts to school. <laughs> really? But I went to international school, so it was a little different. Okay, that's true. That's true. I, what I need to start doing now is like when I find funny English stuff around here, I need to start taking pictures of it because I've been thinking about that. What kind like of stuff? I've seen, have you seen stuff? Oh, yeah. I've seen some like, Cool um, vibes. One of, yeah, I bought this at H and M here. Actually, yeah. Oh, that shirt. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you wear yeah, that shirt cool almost vibes. every time I see you. I do. It's my hangout. It, hangout. In the by the way, it says shirt. laid back vibes, not cool vibes. It for, does. Uh, for the I think listeners. I think on the back of it, it does say cool vibes though. Does so it really? Keep wow, it cool. that shirt's I'm really putting sure. out a lot of vibes. <laughs> That's right, dude. It's a vibe. What can I say? Oh man, but uh, but no, I see. Like I saw a shirt the other day by this guy walking by that literally his shirt said road sign i kid you not road sign and then like the number 65 below it and road i'm like sign <laughs> yeah i'm like the like the, the the text on the shirt like it looked cool but like me reading that as an english speaker i'm yeah. like what I'm why like, is there a ro- road sign that's telling you it's a road sign <laughs> right yeah so so it's like random stuff like that it's kind of the, ironic though if you think about it oh for sure and but i don't think the they're funniest, thinking about it on that level no, I, d- I doubt it. They just see it, and it's a, it's a T-shirt, and probably think it's cool. Right. But what's really funny is um, I was on a couple Czech guitar websites, and as, as you know and probably hopefully most of our listeners know, one of the great things about Google Chrome is it will automatically translate for you, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I was looking to, to find like a, uh, some, like a big package of guitar picks, um, and... I had it in check, and then I translated it, and it translated the word for plectrum as pussy. Plectrum? 
Yeah. Hmm. Pick. Okay. Plectrum. Uh, I'll okay. have to post that on our Instagram page because that is just hilarious. Yeah. That, <laughs> Wait, is that what you call a pick? A plectrum? Yeah, that's another word for it. Oh, yeah, okay. Guitar pick, plectrum. I've mm-hmm. never heard plectrum before, but I'm not in, yep. you know, you're in the crowd. Right. Do you ever go on um, guitar forums? Oh, all the time. Okay. All the time. I'm kind of I'm kind of new to forums ever since, um, like, I started my job at, uh, I mean, like, at, eh, three years, I guess. But since I started my job at, at the car place, I've started looking at them more. And um, uh, it, they're a wealth of knowledge. And it's like, wow, there are nerds on every topic that you could think of. Oh, 100%. I honestly, man, I cannot imagine living in a world without the internet now. Oh, for sure. You're so lucky. Oh, yeah. The funny, the funny thing is, though, I was reading an article um, a couple months back. And, and this one, this one uh, woman had gotten hired at this job. And, uh, and she was a little over her head. And she said for a lot of, I think it was like graphic design or something, and she did a lot of Googling to figure out her problems. And one of her older colleagues, um, you know, our, our parents' generation, so like a baby boomer, complimented her on her skills of being able to like, to us, to a lot of millennials, I think we don't, we t- really take the skill for granted, but she was so proficient at being able to find the information she needed online at a quick rate that I think a lot of older people can't always do. Like, Oh yeah. My, my dad always asks me to Google shit for him because he knows I'm going to be able to find it way faster than him. I, I, I've actually noticed that a lot of my job too. Cause as I mentioned, I do a lot of car stuff and I do a lot of the research stuff. So like people will come to me asking me a car related question and like, I'll have like, especially if it's through email, I'll have it back to what seems like immediately. And they're like, how'd you figure that out so quickly? And really in my head, it's super simple, but I'm not going to tell mm-hmm. that to like, my bosses, I'm going to be like, oh, you know, I just know where to look. I, it's not, you, right, I'm not going right. to tell them, listen, anyone could do this. <laughs> right. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I'm just better but at Google than you is really all it takes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But it's, it's a really important skill that I think a lot of people, like I said, really take for granted and don't realize uh, people don't get how important it is to be able to sift through and filter through all the information we have online um, I've, I've had some colleagues at my school ask me, oh, can you find this or, or do that for me? And a lot of times I can find a really decent pre-made lesson plan or a lesson plan I can modify within two or three minutes and then send it to them. And they're like, oh my God, how did you do that? They think you just and made it's it or the something? same like you said. Well, no, I, I mean, usually I tell them, I you know, I say, found it here or something like that. This a little but... uh, unethical. <laughs> right, right. Taking credit where credit oh, this is this is mine. Due, I just whipped sure. it up real quick. This is nothing. <laughs> I just created a website in 20 seconds with all these teaching materials. <laughs> oh, man. I also, though, have the bad habit of I'll Google something and I'll open like 10 tabs. Oh, do you ever do dude, that? I, I'm a, my work computer is open right now. We can go through how many tabs I have open. I have... One window of Google Chrome that has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's just one window. Then I have another window that's another <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then I have a th- oh, third one, which is mainly used for podcast work. And that's nice. one, two, three, four. Okay. 
I'm a little bummed your podcast work isn't like 20 Well, tabs, also, I'll, I don't I'll do all of my, I don't do that much podcast work on my work computer. Usually I do that at home. But That's every fair. now and again, if That's I find fair. a website, I'll save it there and hold it there for a second. Oh, no. Nice. And honestly, as I look through it, I'll, I could probably close like five, five of those tabs, to be fair. So, uh,. <laughs> That's also such a such a relief when you close all those tabs. Oh yeah. Every now and again I'll like restart my computer or something like that and just start fresh and it's like ah. Although every now and again oh, kind of like a sure. drug. This is ridiculous, but no no joke like a drug sometimes. I'll have to go to Google Chrome and do like reopen, you know, past 9 tabs or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. just like, all right, I'm back. Everything's back. I didn't lose anything. Like some sort of fucking hoarder. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, my tab. I can't imagine safe. <laughs> I can't imagine like trying to use a computer and not being able to have the, all those tabs open. Oh, I know, I know. And It'd be so weird. I don't. It's just also my. It's just the very nature of it with my job as a research person. I'm constantly like looking at a bunch of, you know, a bunch of different stuff and being like, oh, reading this makes me think of something that I want to like. So I'll at least just like type it into another tab to be like, I want to make sure I look that up. And uh, next thing I know, it's like, oh, huh, I forgot I want to look up. Uh, industrial refrigerators an hour ago. <laughs> right. I've never looked at industrial refrigerators. You can you can go down some pretty crazy rabbit holes too. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like a YouTube rabbit hole, just nerdier, more focused. Right. For sure. And I would I would uh, I don't mean to toot our horns, but I'd say we're both nerds in our own respective right. I'll toot our I'll toot our literal horns. <laughs> there we go. Nice, nice. <laughs> um, so Chad, um, for the listeners. Uh, your birthday has passed. You're now a year older. But to you and I, your mm-hmm. birthday's tomorrow. And yep. from what I've heard, you're going to Prague this weekend. Yes, sir. Uh, what uh, What are you doing in Prague? Going back to that secret bar for sure. Right. And gonna, gonna maybe do a little impromptu jam sesh. Are you taking um, someone with you? I'm, I'm going with uh, meeting up with a bunch of my other English teacher friends. Hmm. Um, one, my, my buddy David, who I've mentioned numerous times on this pod already, yeah. he'll be making an appearance. So that'll be a good time. <laughs> I'll be making uh, an appearance. I just, and, I don't uh, even know the dude, but I just picture someone showing up waving like, hello. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Chad, happy birthday. <laughs> All right. See you next year. <laughs> right. <laughs> that cost me $13,000 and it was totally worth Does he worth have it. a tuxedo and a monocle on because he should? Uh, you know, that's up to him. I, you know, I don't know how, I don't know how you prefer David to come. You're paying him $13,000, I guess. That's up that's to you. That's true. You tell me. That's right. Sounds like that's what you would like. I mean, why not? It'd be pretty, pretty, uh, pretty swag to be escorting <laughs> somebody with a, with a monocle and a tuxedo on. But yeah, so we, uh, I'm not really sure. We've we've left it kind of open because I'm actually um, celebrating. Uh, I'm co-celebrating my B day with another English teacher named John. Oh right, he's turning thirty. Who, yeah, so that. the big three O. So shout out to John. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be a fun time. I'm excited. Uh, okay, but my colleagues, I think my colleagues have uh, at the school. I they were like, oh yeah, what are what are your plans for this weekend? I was like, yeah, I'm going back to Prague. And they were like, weren't you just there last weekend? So like, I feel a little guilty, but hey, you know, you're a young man. Live your life. Don't fuck them. It's like, hey, just because you have to go back to your boring husband and wife doesn't mean I have to. I'm a young man and I like to enjoy the world. Um, The world meaning a city that's two hours away, but more fun. Um, So you're you're good friends with this uh, can I call him David, even though it's just David? <laughs> sure, you can call him wherever you like. You're good friends with David. 
Um, how much do you know about these about these other? Uh, I mean, you've met them before, but some of these other teachers, more just acquaintances, would, more just people you've met before. I would I would say we're I would say we're on the 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 friend end of acquaintance. Oh um, wow! My I don't know. I my mean, new book, friend end of acquaintance. Right, coming out in uh, 2019. But uh, um, I mean, yeah, I really like them all. Um, I would just say out of all of them, I know David the best and have spent the most time with him. Um, A lot of the other people, you know, I've hung out with them at our orientations, but it's only been at our orientations. So um, I don't know. They're all really nice. Um, I I like them a lot, but yeah, I I don't know. That's the thing. It's, It's a... It's a weird line between friend and acquaintance, and I'm not really sure if I even know where my boundaries would be where someone's just an acquaintance or a friend. Right, right. Um, okay, that's kind of could could um I'd be curious to get some intel on how are these are all Americans. Yes, I'd be interested to get intel on how some of these other people are adapting to their um various small towns in the Czech Republic. Yeah, that's a great question. I'll uh, I'll do a little little doodle poll, a little survey. Yeah, they're they're all at least. I mean, you'd have to assume that they're all at least got an interest for travel and that thing. If if they're a language teacher, because you have to study abroad to do that, you gotta like other countries theoretically. Why? Well, I, I can tell you. I can or tell you out it, of I the <laughs> right, right. I can tell you out of a lot of them. Um, a few of them have actually studied abroad in the Czech Republic. Um, a few so they of have them some proficiency. have, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, a few of them have studied abroad in the Czech Republic. Some of them have studied abroad in other places. Um, I think there's only a few in my entire cohort that have not really spent very much time abroad. So, so yeah, I think, I think a whole part of being an English teacher abroad is you have to embrace other cultures and travel. And right. ideally, also language learning for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you're a language um, teacher, I guess you have to be a fan of language learning. Right. Right. I will say this though about the friends and acquaintances. I'm sure after this weekend, we we will or I will consider them all friends. I would imagine. Well, that's beautiful, Chad. Chad's gonna be um, slipping on gator piss. He's not even gonna remember any of his time there. He's. Really- <laughs> 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 yeah, we'll see. Especially because the the um, the secret bar is pay as you wish, so that can get dangerous is it really? real quick. Yes. So see, you know why that gets dangerous is one. You're. Um, it's because you. You. It's easier for you not to keep track in the moment of how much you're drinking. You know what I mean. Well, they have like a whiteboard, and you, you right. put your name. But there's and you no, write a tally. there's no uh, direct. You're not doing math in your head. I would go mm-hmm. in. So, what would you say if you're there for? If you had, let's say, five drinks, and you were there for two hours. Five drinks, and I was there for two. In hours. American wow. dollars, how much would you put down? Or crowns. Well, or first, give us crowns. First, I yeah, first, I, I, well, I got to think of it in crowns, and then I'll try to right. convert think it. Think of it in crowns, so, because that's what you're actually going to be so, paying. <laughs> so, right. So, well, let me tell you. So, Komutov prices would be about 30, maximum 32 crowns of beer, probably. Okay. Prague can be anywhere from 40 to 60. Some places, if you really go to a very touristy place, they may even charge you 100 crowns, which is about $4.50. Um, which still for American standards is very cheap. Yeah. But so if I had five beers, 
I would say I would probably spend well because I like the guy who owns it. It's a nice place, and you, and you want to go back at some other point, I, probably. Exactly, Keep exactly. I, most definitely. So I would probably give them, I don't know, maybe 50, 60 crowns of beer if if that's okay. appropriate. Um, I mean, I would say for Prague prices, that's good. Um, and then I'd probably give the guy like a decent tip as well. Yeah, um, I feel like the cool tip guy. is more important than actually the beer. Prices. Right. So, so if we get five beers, we'll just keep it easy. Uh, five beers at fifty crowns, two hundred and fifty crowns. Okay. So that's about that's like I don't know eleven dollars somewhere around there. Okay. I'd round it out to three hundred if I if if um maybe with a tip maybe 300 maybe even 350 give him a 100 crown tip yeah. for having such a sweet establishment is there security nope okay okay i mean it's it's super low key i mean unless you know the guy who owns right. it you're not going to be able to find it you're not going to know where it is chad you're so fucking cool aren't you huh Listen i, I try you. my best <laughs> i try my best um yeah that's cool that's cool uh, and no, you're the only one that's been to that spot of this group. So you're, um, yes, sir. You're, you're also, that means you have to vouch for these uh, people. What if someone embarrasses you? Well, then I got to apologize. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, I uh, feel like they set up to 400, 500 crowns. Right. 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 Just, just slip them a thousand crown bill and just be like, all right, I'll that come by myself coming back time. next time. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about him. No, I know. He's the I gotta, one I know by name, though. That's why I had to. <laughs> I got to be honest, though. I've, I have gone out with some of these other um, English teachers before. And so far, knock on wood, they've all held it together pretty well. You got to think, though, because they are, once again, people that have traveled a bit. And uh, a lot of them know that Americans tend to uh, be louder and uh and uh, I feel like if you're a language teacher slash travel person, you, you'd be aware of these things. So it's a self-selecting group of non-obnoxious people. I agree. But the more you drink, the worse That's your true. awareness gets. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. I'll have an update for you uh, well, for our you know, next once episode. Once you're a uh, sure. gator piss. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> but yeah, so it'll be fun. Um, looking forward to Prague again. Um, it's, it's just such a cool city, man. I mean, you get, I kind of consider it like a mini Vienna, maybe mini that makes sense. Okay. Cause it's not as big as Vienna. It doesn't have as many people or at least I don't, well, I shouldn't be saying this if I don't actually know the facts. Hold I, up. I believe that, that Vienna's bigger than Prague, but I'd also feel like I don't know anything about Prague really, but I always had the picture in my head that the, um, quote unquote city area of Prague was bigger than Vienna. I don't know. And it, once again, that's based off of nothing. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that was always kind of my vision. My vision was always like, well, of course the city of Vienna is bigger, but there's a lot of Vienna. That's, that's just like neighborhoods and, right. and the actual city. But that's, part the, is but pretty that's small. the same in Prague as well. Right. I mean, I guess that's the same in any major city. And actually population wise, Vienna's only got about, so Vienna, the population is 1.76 million and Prague is 1.2 million. Okay. I mean that's a difference, you know. If you say when you say it like that, it doesn't sound like much. But when you say it's four hundred thousand people, I feel like it sounds like right. a, a good bit. Yeah, that's a good amount. Yeah, for sure. But uh, it's it's cool, and and the nice thing about Prague too is there's just a lot of it's very metropolitan, so you get to meet people from all over the world. Yeah, um, which is really nice. You know, obviously in in Kobutov, 
I know one guy from Canada. Oh yeah, um, professional hockey and that's, player. Yeah, and Erickson. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you come up with these names? I don't know. You just make them names. It's a it's kind of a fun <laughs> game to have too, because like if someone tries to make you make up think of a name on the spot, it's surprisingly difficult to like make up a name on the spot. Oh, 100%. Um, okay. Well, I'm excited to hear about it. Happy pre-birthday. Thanks, man. Um, Appreciate it. Although, in Germany and... In Germany or the Czech Republic, um, I'm pretty sure, culturally, you're not supposed to congratulate someone on their birthday before their birthday, but... Since we're Americans, I'll let it slide, and I appreciate it, buddy. So, the, so essentially, what you're saying is the next episode is going to be just me being like, "Chad's dead." Uh, yep, join the 27 so Club. He's and, right. Uh, I, uh, I feel like that. You, I feel like there was a point in your life. And this is going to sound weird. That you kind of fantasized about being in the 27 Club. Young me, young you think me personally, young 12 year old uh, Chad who thinking he could be a rocker. It's like I mean, I'm going to be so good. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I also like the idea of being one of... I, I would rather be one of those super old rockers like the Rolling Stones. Right. Or, you know... Or it's like, how still... is he still alive? <laughs> exactly. But he looks like he's uh, he looks like he's 40, but his mm-hmm. uh, skin also looks like it's about to explode off his face. Like <laughs> Steven Tyler or something like that. Exactly. I was thinking Keith Richards, but yeah. Yeah. Well, Keith Richards looks like he's led a much rougher life. Oh, for sure. I'm sure he has. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. For sure. But yeah. No, I'm hoping uh, the only 27 club I'll be in is a uh, um, 27 year old hoping to become a better polyglot. Wow. That's beautiful, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> that is beautiful. I, what, I hope for what that can too. I say? A, y- a young boy can dream. That's what the Untranslatable right. podcast is for. For sure. Also, uh, join the 27 Club of uh, having a, an awesome podcast with my amazing co-host. You know, yeah. Can't, can't go wrong. Yeah. Uh, I, on the other hand, am not 27. I'm younger than you. Yep. You're a, you're I got a little bit more, a little bit more wisdom on you. Well, I don't know if it's wisdom, but it's time. <laughs> yeah. I prefer... Yeah, go ahead. I was about to just... Go ahead. <laughs> we'll move on. I was about to get stupid. <laughs> you and I have to be like, all right, shut the fuck up, Jared. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Jared, um, another, another important aspect, I think, of our podcast is um, bringing a little positivity and a little light into a very negative and dark world. And uh, one of the best ways we can do this is through some shout-outs. So... Uh, I have a couple, but I'm wondering. I always do this to you. I'm apologizing. No, I don't have any shout outs, Chad. Honestly, sometimes I want to ask you, where do you find these things? Because you always seem to have such like heartwarming stories. My 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 news is usually does not guide me to heartwarming topics. If I if I told you in in a building fire in Yemen. Three died in a (laughs) man on trial for fraud and murder. I like how you just go to some weird British or (laughs) I don't even know what accent that is. Well, Jared, if I told you, if I told you my secret, uh, positive news outlets, we'd be given the same shout out. No, and and I don't want you to, uh, it's less for me, but for, you know, all of our uh, competition out there trying to get our, our uh, podcast secrets. That's true. Can't give them the formulae. That's for sure. (laughs) For Uh. sure. Good old SpongeBob references, but yeah. So my first shout out, goes out to um, 
the uh, tech billionaire Elon Musk. Maybe you've heard of this, Jared. Yeah. Shout and the out shout for out is stepping not, down from uh <laughs> And that's not my shout out. My shout out's a lot more positive, I would say. Okay. Uh Elon Musk donated four hundred and eighty thousand dollars to bring clean water to Flint schools. Okay. All right, good stuff. Good stuff. You remember me a few episodes back mentioning he had been talking about it and uh oh, he that's was true. talking the talk right, but point. wasn't walking the walk. Well, you had to you had to uh I always get a little nervous when uh when Elon Musk comes up. I'm always, Why is that? Not especially no in the shout out section. Let me put it that way because I'm like mm. this can't be good. Like how we use how is he in the shout out section? But that's actually good. Well, now you know. So yeah, so what? And that's he, a good amount of money too. It is, joke. and and so all twelve Flint, Michigan school buildings, and also the school administration headquarters, will have these ultraviolet water filtration systems installed. Nice. Um, which is great because for our listeners out there who aren't from Michigan. Flint hasn't had clean water since what, like 2014 or 2015, something crazy. I like mean, that's that? when it was reported. Oh, true. So and maybe it was. There, even it was happening for years before that, I believe. Right. It's not like it yeah. just started uh, when they when Mm-mm. they brought it up. Yeah. I grew up and, in Clarkston, which is um, uh, like an hour away from Flint, but um, I, but Clarkston also had money, so I don't think they had that problem. Right. Yeah. That's. And that's Sadly, unfortunate. I don't say that. To, I don't. I don't say that like it's a good thing. That's the. It's sad that that water comes down. No, I, I, I know. Especially when mean, they're yeah. so close to each other. Oh, for sure. And Most Michigan definitely. is. Uh, there's a lake everywhere you look. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or a river, or or some type of body of water. Yeah. for sure. I, I was walking to this school one day, and I fell into this lake. I was like, "Where'd this come from?" <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure it wasn't a pothole? This <laughs> is a really deep pothole. <laughs> Turned into a lake. Yeah. Wasn't this right. Maple Street last week? <laughs> <laughs> so my next shout out goes to LA County. They are, st- I didn't even know this was a thing, but they are um, stopping um, collecting old juvenile detention fees, which erases about approximately $90 million of um, families' debts. Wait, so what do you mean? What does that, what do you say? That, what do you mean by Taking away their so there fees. were ju- there so there were juvenile detention fees. They were oh. collecting old juvenile detention fees from families. So parents so, had to pay for their kid to be in juvie. Yep. Wow. You yep. know that's interesting because I've also heard stories about uh, judges uh, getting paid to um, to uh, put kids into juvie. juvie. Mm-hmm. Just imagine that cycle, where a judge is getting paid to. Uh, wrongfully convict someone and mm-hmm. then the uh family of the person that got wrongfully convicted has to pay for their kid to be in that uh in that place oh for sure dude the the, the system's incredibly broken um that's for sure speaking of which uh, shout out to brett kavanaugh you fuck <laughs> <laughs> for uh oh, man, getting that's, that's a whole other story oh, we're man. getting uh into the uh, supreme court <clears throat> Un- unreal Un- unreal any, anyways, another one last positive story, which I'm this this news article is really vague, so I apologize to all of our listeners out there. But apparently, the only has so much space. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have uh, restrained from getting my uh, news from memes, Jared. Thankfully, that's my favorite um, phrase, meme news. That's a new untranslatable. Right. <laughs> Who needs fake news when you can have meme news, you know? (laughs) But uh, this is pretty wild. So apparently U.S. Marshals 
recover 123 missing children in Michigan County. Wait, they found 123? How right did find that many people? Well, no, I think it says... Actually, yeah. So a one-day sweep by several law enforcement agencies in a Michigan county resulted in the recovery of 123, 123 missing children, the U.S. Marshal Service said in a news relief. The initiative called My Safe Kid, M-I like Michigan, took place ah, on September 26th in clever. Wayne County. There were 301 files of missing children. And the children recovered were physically located, recovered safely, and interviewed during the operation. You betcha. Yep. 123? That's insane. So was it on yep. just one day they're like, drop everything, we're going to find these goddamn kids. And they I were guess. just like, uh, they just got on their horses and went out there? I assume uh, some of them were on horses. Maybe. maybe I, I would assume they went on some type of raid, I would think. And also, um, it seems like, doesn't that seem like an awfully high number of, people, of children to be missing? <laughs> Yeah, oh, 123. What is this roaming yeah. the streets? No, I, I'm assuming, I'm assuming they, they live were, in the sewers somewhere. I have no idea. That's why I said this article is really yeah, vague. I clearly have more questions. <laughs> right, and well, here it says it says that three cases were identified as being possible sex trafficking cases. One homeless teen was transported back to the command post, um, and and that's all they say. So. So and and the marshal service did not say where the children were located. Um, the See, message to the missing children and their families that we wish to convey is that we will never stop looking for you. The U.S. marshal said. I so, guess now my only question is, then what happens to the kids now? Because if right. th- if there are this many kids missing, uh, my first thought goes to how many parents were okay with the fact that their kid uh, was missing. Of those one twenty three, I I would imagine. I mean, I'm sure some of them, of them are, are looking, okay. but yeah. how how much how how many of them are like uh, either I kicked the person out of the house for some terrible reason, or right. they ran away, but I'm uh, I'm not gonna look for you because you're a piece of shit or something. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the the news article doesn't doesn't really say, but I think it's great they were able to find these kids, and I hope uh, I hope they're all able to live um as normal and as happy lives as as one possibly can after something like this happens yeah can someone come save me please i'll come save i'd you, also Jared. like to live a happy fulfilling life <laughs> <laughs> uh, those are some good shout outs chad uh i need to figure out what kind of happy news stories you're reading maybe i'll i'll find a couple shout outs and send a couple your way like i don't like Small i won't house use fire in the south of uh of of New York today, <laughs> killing forty-five. <laughs> I think you need to just come up with a fake identity and start doing newscasting in a British accent. I um a couple of, a couple of years ago, I tried to um make a uh, a new Twitter account that no one knew about, just so I could tweet ridiculous stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I made it, it was connected to my um email address, and it notified everyone as soon as I made it. And my buddy Brad's like, hey, Jared, did you make a new Twitter account? And it was before I even started tweeting. I didn't even make a tweet uh, yet. Ah, that's funny. And I was like, oh, well, my God. I was like, yeah, but forget about it. It's gone. Didn't realize Twitter <laughs> was such a snitch. Damn. I thought I could uh, make some shit in privacy. And then from there on, I was like, how about you just use your own Twitter account? Right. Or or you got to come up with a good uh, burner Gmail address, and then you're good to yeah, go. Yeah, that's too much work. I didn't I didn't care that's that true. much. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Uh, and it's not that's fair. Uh, yeah, I just do my I just do my trolling in uh, public now. 
Right. Wendy's, I'm coming well, you, after you. Well, well, you know, you know, a, a really great way to do some trolling is Jared. In foreign languages. Oh yeah, use some untranslatable phrases. I, I like that. That's that's a good idea. I like where your head's at. <laughs> right. Uh, I actually have a perfect one to start us off. Uh, speaking of, of which, it's perfect. Hebrew, la sot exit. Which means to do an exit. To do an exit is that to take crap? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. Can you give me one of your world class examples. Um. So uh, we're on episode um, 33 of the Untranslatable podcast. And, um, you know, episode 33 comes out and um, a bunch of giant corporations, you know, Nike, Verizon, um, Jaguar, these kind of companies, Mm -hmm. Armani, they hear about it. They want to sponsor us. And, um, you know, we start living in the lap of luxury. And uh, we do an exit. Doing an exit is the Israeli equivalent of the American dream. And so if you like make it big, that means you did an exit. Okay, interesting. And I'm saying uh, the Untranslatable podcast is going to cause me to do an exit after this episode drops. For sure. Next episode, right. I'm just gonna be. It's just gonna be all ham horns for uh, an hour and a half. <laughs> I'm gonna hire a guy actually to just hit the ham horn for an hour and a half. It's not even gonna be like a loop or anything. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, I mean, since since you'll be rich, you can you can make that exit and pay for pay for that guy to personally exactly. hit the ham horn for exactly. sure. Nice. All right, Jared. Well, I got a. I'm gonna start us off with a check one. Now I've decided I'm only gonna give you one check untranslatable. So I don't run out of check on translatables yeah, before I leave this have, country. I'm surprised you're still going, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm hoping to write a, a book on Czech idioms <laughs> because there are no books on Czech idioms. I've looked everywhere and can't find them. So well, to any of our listeners out there, from? The, the interwebs, my dude. The interwebs is the new book. Is the book of the 20... It's, it's one giant book. Okay, you well, just have I'm to go sorry. To the right chapter. I'm sorry. I'm very old-fashioned, and I prefer having like a piece of paper in front of me there i can no, that's turn okay. the pages i'll allow you to write a book because um you know i'll we'll get the untranslatable podcast that's somewhere in there somewhere there we go perfect perfect Just... we'll make up some check phrases that somehow <laughs> have to do with the untranslatable podcast uh-huh. all right well jared here we go it is <laughs> say that again I, I don't pronounce the r properly but it's um which means to rub yourself in somewhere and know it's not dirty like you think it is. To like blend in. Nope. To uh. What? Well, well, I'd give you like a quarter ham horn on that one, maybe. Squeak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Since I keep forgetting to actually put that into my soundboard, I just decided to go acapella. There you go. There you go. Nice. Uh, um, I don't know. What is it? It means to crash a party or to go somewhere where you're not invited and try to find your way in. Okay. So it's blending in, but not the blending in I was thinking of. Right. That's why I say it's kind of like a quarter. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. My buddy Brad is actually um, about to do that. He's going t- to Tennessee, I believe. And uh, nice. he's going to some wedding that he is not invited to, I think. I think he knows the people or something. I don't know. I don't know why I'm telling other people's stories. Right. Uh, These are about our stories, Jared. <laughs> Fuck you, Brad. 
<laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me today. I'm feeling very aggressive. <laughs> That's why I tried to send you calming Boston music for the song of the pod. I just had Yes, yeah, you did send me that. And I was like, why is where's this? Why are you sending me this? Where, where is this coming from? <laughs> we're, not, we're not doing Norwegian Bossa Nova. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, it's, the funny thing is, I have plenty of song of the pod ideas. It's just they're all, um, like, I feel like they're too weird. Or it's like, nobody wants to listen to this. It's like no one's gonna like this except for me, but that that that's what that's I feel like that's also what this is for. For yeah. I mean you too obviously, but <laughs> no, it's all about you, Jared. It's all good. <laughs> At least kinda. So what's your next? Oh right, it's my turn. I was waiting for you to say something. I was like, oh no, no, that's me. That's me. <laughs> my next one is uh, Armenian, and it's a uh, Hame Hanel. Or Haim Hanel. And it means to take the taste out. To take the taste out. You're going to have to give me an example. Or is that too obvious? Uh, no, I can give you an example. Um, so, for example, um, we're here doing this podcast. And you start to say some, um, you know, some, some offensive things. And you so you're like uh, we're we're talking, and I'm like yeah, well you know my my mom's uh, she told me once, and you're like your mom's stupid. You're like you well hey I mean my mom you're like your mom's ugly, and I was like uh, <laughs> careful Chad you're starting to take the taste out. Okay, so like you're about to cross the line. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you Ooh, go. All right. all right, all right. You know I like that one to take the taste. Or out. there is also a very popular. Um, American idiom that I a Southern American idiom that has a similar meaning and that's uh, slipping on gator piss. That's that's <laughs> what we tend to say in America. But uh, in <laughs> some people say uh, to take the taste out in Armenia. There you go. Well, Jared, I got a I got a, I have two Dutch ones for you, and this one is yeah. this one is mit de der in house fallen. Well, with the something in house fallen. Der is like Tura. Okay. So you fall with the house falls down with the door? To fall when you f- I think when you fall in the house with the door. Fall in the house literally with, with the door. Literally <laughs> with, with the, the door, door in house yeah. to fall. Right. If you were to translate it. Right. That's yeah, okay. That's why I could so I did figure that out. I just didn't know how to say that like a human. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's because there isn't really a way to. Uh, is that have anything to do with being sloppy drunk or something? I wish, but no. Mm-mm. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, it's hard for me to comprehend such a sloppy sentence. All right, Jared, I'll, I'll give you one. So, so you're trying to explain something to me, um, and you're giving me a really long explanation, and I say, just fall in the house with the door already. Oh, just get to the point? Hit that ham horn, my dude, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, to get straight to the point. Mit der in house fallen. Mit der in house fallen. It's probably not proper pronunciation, but I'm giving it my all. <laughs> um, that's just Chad and his laid back vibes. Um, <laughs> now that we've commented on that shirt, every time I see you wear that shirt, I like I just look at that like multiple times, and now I finally have a uh, now I can finally say it, and people know what I'm talking about because I always I'm gonna, I'm gonna wear it backwards next week. Please, so you, can, you can see the back. There was a uh, uh, a meme. Speaking of memes, meme news. There's a meme of a guy 
uh, this old guy wearing a tank top backwards. And so it had like just the middle part. Oh, nice. And it's like that's when hilarious. you fall asleep in yeah. your tank top. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And he has oh, his tank top funny. on backwards. Um, uh, my second one is, all, or excuse me, my last one is also Armenian. Um, and it's, Armenian is an odd language. I know nothing about Armenia, except there, there was a genocide there that the Turkish mm-hmm. just had something to do with. Yep. But other than that, I, and apparently what I've also learned from my um, deep dives into the world of untranslatables is that they like mountains a lot. That has nothing to do with this uh, untranslatable, okay. but they do talk about mountains a lot. I don't know why I'm giving this little Armenian lesson. Interesting fun fact. Nothing wrong with that. Quirky. Kati Tsak Chunes. You don't I like how you said that with gusto. I like that. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, half half of the battle is confidence. True. And I can, you know, no, I'm I'm gonna assume most of our uh, listeners don't know any Armenian. So for them, that sounded like I'm some sort of professional. That could have been right. straight from the translator. You don't have a nose hole. You don't have a nose hole. Um, I'll take a stab at it. Is it like you don't have common sense? Ooh, really? I'm gonna give that one to you. Yeah. Okay. You say this uh, to people who are oblivious or don't know what appropriate behavior is in a particular situation. For oh, example, wow. if you cooked uh, a meat dish at your uh, uh, for your vegan friend, you have no mm. nose hole. So I'm Keep gonna give your that nose to holes, you. people. All right, I appreciate it. Yeah. All right, I got I got a good one for you, Jared. This, one, <laughs> this one's also Dutch. So yeah. <laughs> uh, so good work. So this one is. Uh, one moment. I wanna I wanna hear it one more time so I can get the Dutch pronunciation right. an engelte over your tongue piece. Ooh, came at me quick there. You kind of threw me off. <laughs> okay, that's a long one. I'll say it slow for you. Asof an engelte over your tongue piece. It's as if you're a. Like a something animal. As I heard if animal. an angel, tia I think that's how they say oh, it. Oh, I heard. I thought it was like tia like some sort of skinny uh, uh, animal no, or something. I, and I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but yes. It's as if an angel peed on your tongue. Oh. Sounds like a Friday night for me. <laughs> <laughs> Slipping on gator piss. I'm going to say um, that it means... <laughs> Um, something tastes really good. Hit that ham horn, dude. Ooh. Yes, it means someone who is really enjoying their meal. Okay. Uh-huh. Kind of like you put your foot into it. A lot of southern comparisons yep. here. Yeah. To uh, you know staples in southern households. Most definitely. Okay. Like that, that. It's so funny that that's like a compliment. Where it's like if you hear that at a dinner table, it's like thanks. I'm that's that's uh, that sounds like what uh. The rednecks of Dutch people would say, <laughs> "Right, it tastes like uh, okay." I'm done. <laughs> this is a this is a bad idea. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Don't want to offend our Dutch listeners out there. I see this sure going down already, a bad road. <laughs> right, we're already offending them with our horrible Dutch pronunciation, anyways. But yeah, well, Jared. Speaking of you know not always having the best language skills, unfortunately, I feel like American foreign language instruction is not always the greatest especially in high schools if the high schools even have foreign language instruction at all i agree um when i 
as I've mentioned before, I took French from about like first or second grade all the way up until I graduated from high school. And I never really got anywhere close to proficient at it. And why do you think that is? Um, I don't think it was really the focus. Like, I don't think that was ever really anyone's focus up until maybe up until I moved to France. Uh, France. Maybe up until to say I what? moved to uh, <laughs> Germany. Then maybe there was a little bit more focus on, um, on, on it being a speakable thing. But I think it was still smoke, uh, t- or t- mostly taught like, um, like an American class. I think maybe one thing that, that helped was, one, that I was in a higher level. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though I, sometimes I felt like I didn't even belong there. And two, the teacher was also French when I was in Germany. So that, I think that helped a lot, too. Could you could you give our listeners a little perspective and kind of explain what you mean by it was taught in like an American like language class way? Um, at least for me, it always seemed like the focuses were were just on. It was very he- heavily grammar focused. Mm-hmm. Um, the the classes were like, and the thing is, I don't fully under remember how to even like how this even went, but I know that a lot. Almost, I would say the majority of it was spoken it like taught in English, mm, but as someone, bad. but as someone that hasn't been in a language class like that in such a long time, I don't even fully remember what that is like to be honest with you. Um, but that also, I think, speaks to the fact that I don't really remember much from my uh, early language classes. You know, like I think that that's that's not helping the the case for American high schools that I don't remember, right. especially since I I think I'm a pretty good language learner. I would say so. Um. And I'd say also, um, th- it, it was it was it was taught almost kind of like a like a math class or something like that, where it's like the way that you were you were assessed on how good you were wasn't based off of how good you could speak, but it was about uh, your um, uh, Jesus your grammar Christ. knowledge, your grammar right? knowledge, which yeah. really just more comes down to memory rather than mm-hmm. being able to apply the language, comprehending what you're actually saying. And how right. to actually use it. It's just like, no, I know that if I see this word before this word, it means that you have to use this word in this way. It's like, yeah, exactly. but that doesn't actually mean you know what you're saying. For sure. And I feel like, sadly, a lot of language instruction is heavily based on what you're, what you're required to test them on, right? So if you have to give them grammar tests for if it's a state language benchmark or it's just your school's benchmark, then, then yeah, you're going to teach the class, unfortunately, in English and not in what we call in the, in the language uh, um, second language acquisition field, the target language or the, the foreign language you're learning. <laughs> second um, language acquisition field. It makes it sound like you're, uh, you carry a gun to work. <laughs> that's right. Well, if you're an my American, guns, maybe you will My guns filled, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I was just going to say, my gun's filled with all sorts of random German knowledge or, or English knowledge, ESL knowledge. But yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I was, I was very fortunate in that I think I had a really good German teacher in high school. I was also really motivated and passionate about it, so I'm probably a bad example of right. um, a typical American foreign language so, instruction. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. think... Um, I was going to ask you about that because you also started your German learning in the high school, in high school, right? Yes. And in the, in American high school, but you somehow managed to come out the other end as someone that, or at least other end as in to college as someone that was actually pretty proficient. And that was one of the few people that I think was actually, um, 
properly placed in like in the advanced field. For example, mm-hmm. there were people that were in like the advanced class. There were people like in like the 301 class with you that I was way better than. And and like mm-hmm. I remember st- starting at 201 and getting like never getting lower than like a 90 something on a test. And even I was like I don't need to like this is point why am I here? And it's like Right. And then seeing people like struggle in the higher classes. What was it about you in high school that that why do you think you somehow managed to be better off than I would assume most of the other people in your high school? I think it boils down to a couple of things. One, as I mentioned, was just motivation. I was highly motivated to learn German. I had kind of a a, like a family connection to Germany. Also dated dated a couple German girls in high school, which I'd be lying if I didn't say that wasn't a big help. Yeah. Um, Did you know you wanted to be a teacher at that at that point? Um, I mean, the thought had definitely crossed my mind. But you weren't like working for that. You're like, oh, I need to get this. So when I'm a teacher, I'm ready to go. No, for me, it was I just wanted to be able to go to Germany Mm -hmm. and be able to have really meaningful, deep conversations with people, get to know them, be able to understand them. uh, Because and what really motivated me was the first time I was in Germany. I wanted to de- to get to know my relatives, um, and I wasn't able to because they they spoke German. My dad was too busy talking to my uncle, having a great time, which I now I understand. But as a fourteen year old, it, it really pissed me off because I wanted to get to know them. And you know, it's really difficult to one translate a conversation in real time, let alone have a good conversation with someone while trying to explain everything to your fourteen year old son. And still yeah. be a part of the conversation, right? Yeah, nobody so, wants to do that. <laughs> so I, I kind of exactly. So I kind of held on to this feeling of frustration and turned it into motivation. Wow. Basically, I remember. Yeah. So I remember how, how I, I don't really want to say isolated. I felt because I was with my mom and my sister, so it, it wasn't like I was just sitting there by myself. But like with the pain German of not around. being able to understand what people are saying right in front of you. Right. And, this- and the pain of not being able to communicate, just communicate basic yeah. things, you know? Um, and so that really, really motivated me. Um, and so for me, there were a lot of personal reasons to learn the language. Whereas I think most high school students, they take a language because it's a requirement either to graduate or, you know, things like that. And I think most kids, unless they have a teacher that can really like bring the passion of the language and the culture in the classroom the kids will never become proficient in a language. Oh, yeah. And you mentioned something about Americans only taking it because it's a requirement. I have a quick little stat I want to throw out there for you. Uh, and this is from American Council of Inter- or Foreign National Education. Okay. Throughout uh, all 50 states in the District of Columbia, 20% of K-12 students are enrolled in foreign language classes, according to a 2017 study from the blah, 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 blah. New Jersey uh, has the highest, has the most students uh, studying a language. That's 51%. That's the most Mm -hmm. out of any state. And um, followed by D.C., which is 47%. uh, Wisconsin, 36%. By the way, not only are those the top three, but there's also significant percentage gaps between those three. Like the third place is 36, and the first place is 51. That's a pretty big gap. And... um, the vast majority of states have less than 25% participation, with only 9% of students studying a foreign language in New Mexico, Arizona, and Arkansas. Oh, wow. Dare I ask, where does Michigan place on this? I don't, I don't have that information. I'm sorry. Okay. 
It's all good. <laughs> we'll just have to wonder. I don't even forever. think about that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, yeah. I, well, see, I think the other issue though too with foreign language instruction in the United States is one. I don't think it's very valued by administrators and by parents unless the parents are either speak another language or. But know, in a lot of those situations, mm-hmm. I think um, parents also put it on themselves to be like. If I want, like, for example, say you live in California and one parent's American and one's Mexican or something like that. I mean, you don't have to live mm-hmm. in California. I guess that could be anywhere. <laughs> I don't know. But um, say that's the case. And you like, I want to make sure my kid also speaks Spanish. Um, you're going to be screwing yourself if you'd never speak Spanish at home, but you, you know, put them in Spanish class. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to cut it. Oh, I don't either. A hundred percent. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what my point was there. Well, I think I think the yeah, I think your point was that if you want to raise your children to be bilingually and you have the opportunity to as having a parent who's a Spanish speaker and an English speaker, you need to do it at home. You can't just send your right. kids to school. Yeah. Right? I yeah. think that's just where you're yes. going. With the that. school is not like the school is just not gonna cut it. It's impossible. Well, exactly. And I have to say, I, I, I hate admitting this as a language teacher. And as a very passionate language learner, but the majority of the languages that I have learned, it's been in real life situations, not inside the classroom. Yeah. I think the classroom, right? I, I would say the classroom gives students a great opportunity to become exposed to the language, develop very basic skills and a foundation, but it's not enough to get them to be fluent in a language. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. And it's because it's, it's like learning how to ride a bike or drive manual is that you don't, you don't, you don't learn by someone teaching you. You learn by consistent use of it. Exactly. Exactly. That's a, that's actually a really great comparison. Oh, thank you. Riding bikes and driving manual, two things I'm very good at. <laughs> right. And I'd say you're pretty good at languages too. Uh, I think so. I'm actually very, after doing some research for this episode, it made me really start thinking like I need to put my language to use. Like it, it just got me really nervous about losing it because there are a lot of articles that talked about how America is putting themselves at like a serious disadvantage socially, economically, mm-hmm. uh, and just like in the global market wise by just not focusing on that because most um, foreign countries at least require one, if not two languages. Right. And um, we're just slowly, this is just part of the reason it, it, America being such a reactionary country that we're slowly falling out of um, favor. As, as the quote-unquote, one of the quote-unquote superpowers. And just reading all this stuff about how language is so underappreciated, like, it just made me think, man, I'm, like, really lucky to have that. And it made me real nervous that uh, I actually, while I was reading this yesterday, I got one of my German books and put them back next to my bed. Like, I need to keep this shit yes, up. Like, nice, this is terrifying nice. me. I can't Which this. German books, if you don't mind me asking? It was just a book of short stories that I, I actually found at some, like, one of those give a book, take a book things in Washington, D.C. Oh, cool. a couple months ago. Okay. Nice. And um, it was actually, it's, it's just a short, short stories are actually by um, some British dudes. They're just translated to German. But they're like um, a couple pages long. So I liked, you know, you can read like one before you go to bed and stuff or something like that. Because I am genuinely scared that I'm going to lose that, that German. I, I don't want that to happen. And this really you know, put a uh, stinker behind my butt. Do people say that? I would say it lit a fire under there your go. ass. There we but go. That, that's just what I would say. They, well, American untranslatable for you. Um, I got a question for you. Um, do you know what we call? 
Do you know what we call it in the field of second, second language acquisition when you forget your language skills or you lose those language abilities? Oh, a shame. I don't know. What do they call it? Language attrition. Oh, okay. Oh, man. I never want to. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to be a statistic. <laughs> right? You won't be. Not with this untranslatable podcast. Yeah, you won't. I'm not. Because of the untranslatable podcast, I'm no longer a statistic. I'm a, a phenomena. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, I think uh, I think another issue with uh, language learning in in American high schools or, or the way they teach foreign languages is they don't always make it super relatable and and practical for their own students' lives. Right. Right. Like you said, when you were learning French, a lot of it was grammar. I did get some German grammar, but I was lucky that my German teacher. Um, also tried to have us communicate, and she did a lot of the class in German, which was really in nice. high school specifically. I I took German because um, after I got back from Germany, I took German, and um, it was a freaking joke in high school. Uh, like why just too easy? Or it was too easy. I mean, I it was it was I was far above that, but also I mean he was uh, he he was our Mr. Ray. He was our uh, chemistry slash German teacher. And it felt like I was in a chemistry class, yet he was teaching German. You know what I mean? Like, first of all, mm-hmm. it was essentially all taught in English and he was just like lecturing grammar to us. And, and, oh, and, and, and it was one, it was grammar that either I, I'm not going to actually, some of it, I wasn't like, it was not new to me, but I was like, I don't really fully know like the science behind this, like this. Cause I never, I was just trying to figure out how to talk, but also a lot right. of it was simple, and I was like, "This is ridiculous." That this is at the same time, you don't need that much grammar knowledge, in my opinion, to really be a fairly proficient speaker. If you want to be a German teacher, then yeah, it's helpful to have that knowledge so you can explain that when students ask. But to lecture students about grammar for hours on end, I think is a is an it uphill seems like battle. A waste of time. That's pointless. Oh, for sure, hundred percent. It, it kind of and it really put a perspective on it having learned be, being submerged we're like coming back to this where it's like this is fucking useless it's like who, who and like you know 16 year old me can't really say anything but i'm just like this doesn't this is not how this works like in mm-hmm. it no, put so much in a more perspective all that french i had taken beforehand i was like that's why i don't know any french because this is how it was taught like a my chemistry class right and that's why i have to give um our german department at albion college a lot of credit because I think, yeah, they did some grammar instruction, but a lot of it was very communicative mm-hmm. language teaching. We um, also had the benefit w- of mm-hmm. the um, the lower level German teacher was Perry Meyer's wife, who was also uh, Susanna, 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 who uh-huh. was a uh, German. So um, yep. I think it helped having uh, the lower level classes taught by someone that was actually German because she it was easier for her to and more natural for her to speak German to the students. And then, um, you know, once you're in the higher classes where Perry was teaching like the three and four stuff, a three and four level stuff, then it was obvious that you should just be speaking German. But Mm -hmm. well, it was funny. I remember talking to a friend of mine in graduate school when I was doing my master's in TESOL. And I had told them um, that TESOL teaching English to speakers of other languages, TESOL, my English teaching degree and um, or my ESL teaching degree, I guess. Um, but I remember telling a, 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 a graduate colleague of mine that when I graduated undergrad, you probably didn't feel this way, but I felt like 
I could write a better essay in German than I could in English because of all the research Probably. papers and different things that I had to write in German versus in English. And I actually took a look at my old laptop and like over 60% of the stuff that I had written in undergrad was in German. Yeah, I had a lot of laser journals. <laughs> Remember uh-huh, those? Uh-huh. I, yep. I actually just went through and deleted a lot of stuff recently. And it was a lot of German stuff. I was like, damn. Because we, I mean, mm-hmm. he had us, we had to essentially write something at least once a week, if not more than that. Mm-hmm. Like right. some sort of at least page situation of something. Um, but do you think that was an anomaly? I mean, it obviously would be in high school, but in a college level? Maybe not in college level. But I think the other issue too is that in high school, like you've mentioned, so much emphasis is put on grammar. I think some teachers are start, are starting to come more around to the idea of the communicative approach, which is teaching the, the language in the target language, very, very small amount of grammar instruction, and, and trying to give your students the skills and the language to just communicate, which if we're being real, what good does it do me if I take four years of French I go to Paris and I might understand bits and pieces, but I can't even order a, a damn crepe or a baguette. Right, exactly. <laughs> but you can notice, but you can figure out the participle. That's always my go-to is exactly. participle because I'm terrible at grammar. Uh, so that's just my go-to uh, grammar word. What um, Do you think that there is a lack of – this is a leading question. Once again, uh, I would not recommend doing this as a lawyer, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that there is a lack of qualified teachers out there? And I, I, I feel like be- because a lot of the uh, American language teachers are taught the way that um, they're teaching, obvi- not obviously, but a lot of them are, they also are coming out of, uh, out of programs where maybe because they're more interested in the language, they understand the grammar of it. They've gotten that part down, but they themselves mm-hmm. are not, can't really have a conversation in it either. Does that happen? So well, maybe it doesn't happen. So this is this is quite a quite a uh, question, Jared. So Chad, put your colleagues on blast. What, well, so I mean, to me, it depends on how you define qualified. You, I think, for a lot of schools and a lot of places, at least I know, if you were to get like a teaching certification in a foreign language. Um, Different languages have different proficiency levels. So, for example, I'm pretty sure for German, for German, French, and Spanish, you need. Um, uh, so, there's also this there's this organization called ACTFL, the American Council of Teaching Foreign Languages. ACTFL, okay? okay, and they have a proficiency scale. So they have like a beginner is what we call novice. Like a true beginner would be a novice low, and you have novice mid, novice high, then you have intermediate low, mid, and high. And then you have advanced, low, mid, and high, and then you have what's called superior, and above superior is distinguished. Oof. And some and some <laughs> native speakers it's aren't like the even black distinguished. Belt of, uh... <laughs> yeah, for sure, it is. It is. Um, and so, so I know for German, French, and Spanish, I'm almost positive that uh, to get certified as a language teacher, you have to be in an advanced low. And advanced low generally means you can speak about abstract concepts. You can use um, hypotheticals like would, should, or could. I guess should's not a good example, but would or could, um, or would have. Um, you know, if I had a million dollars, I would so buy. So to be a teacher, you know, what you're saying is you at least have to be conversational. For for German, French, and Spanish, yes. However, for oh. Japanese and and Mandarin, 
I'm pretty sure it's intermediate, mid or intermediate high, which I would say intermediate is you're conversational, but you don't have a full grasp maybe of all of the little subtleties of the language. It's, you probably make more mistakes when you speak the language. It's funny that you say um, that. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I have another uh, little ditty here that I can read you. Uh, another challenge emerges. We're looking at the languages these students are learning too. In 2013, roughly 198,000 U.S. college students uh, were taking a French course. Just 64, on the other hand, were studying Bengali. Yet globally, 193 million people speak Bengali, while 75 million speak French. Uh, in fact, Arne Duncan, in the U.S. Education Secretary, uh, the U.S. Education Secretary, noted back in 2010 that the vast majority, 95%, of all language enrollments were in European language. This is just one indicator de- demonstrating the shortcomings, mm-hmm. inequalities, and in language education today. So I guess that also goes to it, where it's like, if you want to learn some of these more um, abstract to us American or you know languages, mm-hmm. then you're also going to have to be able to, or be willing to accept essentially a lower level of, of education, because that's the best we can mm-hmm. offer you. Exactly. And, and sadly, there, I don't think there's a push in the American education system to try to bridge that gap between, you know, why don't we have more Bengali language opportunities for students or Hindi or, you know, now they're starting Arabic, to do a lot more Mandarin language. Oh, for sure. But I- well, I will tell you, I will tell you with Arabic, it's a little more difficult because of all of the different Arabic dialects. Right. And there's technically, from what I've been told, there's no like standard Arabic. What most places will teach you is Egyptian Arabic. Interesting. Um, so, yes. so because uh-huh. so many different countries speak it uh, across different continents, there's like mm-hmm. they're all based off of the same language, but then it's just it's just all different. You know, wild, you know, different dialects of. For example, mm-hmm. I think recently I gave an untranslatable that was some that was some language, but it was essentially just a uh, variation of Arabic. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah. But I, I think sadly in the in Kinda the like Western Swahili world or something like that. Right, right. Well, in the Western world, you know, I'm talking the, the United States, we tend to be more Eurocentric where we focus on European languages. Where really the the irony is if you go to France or Germany, maybe Spain, I haven't heard as positive uh, um, as many positive things about English speakers in Spain. But I do know at least if you're in Germany or Austria people speak really good English. So it's not even like really you, you need to learn the language if you were to travel there. Whereas maybe some of these other countries, um, I don't know how good their English instruction is. Um, and you, it may be more important to learn some of these other, you know, um, non-European languages. Well, Also, I mentioned that, um, you know, most other countries outside the U S require, uh, languages in the EU, there's a national requirement of at least one other language, but most countries mm-hmm. have um, requirements above that of two. Not most. I say most. Some countries have requirements right. above that of, of two. Not most, but some do. I think another reason why um, American foreign language instruction is lacking and also doesn't get the thorough support it deserves is also because, I mean— in theory, you if you're not going to travel or do international business, sadly, you may not need to learn another language. You know, I mean, yeah. if you stay in the United States your entire life, which um, 
all of our listeners out there, I highly encourage you to get out there and travel because the world is a ama- is an amazing place. Um, but you know, if, if I were to stay in the United States my entire life, you know, maybe it's not worth it for me to learn a language. You know, I would argue that, um, it's good. Like it's a good learning tool just for cognitive abilities as well, though. Like just for your ability 100%. to learn other things and grasp ideas. It's useful. Granted, that's a hard thing to sell when a lot of schools are based off of test scores. Like, it's hard to sell mm-hmm. cognitive ability and problem-solving ability. It's like, yeah, but that's not something we can figure out off of a test where you circle a couple O's, you know? Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of research out there that backs up. There's a lot of positive cognitive benefits to language learning. Um, I also read somewhere that language learning reduces the risk of Alzheimer's, which I found really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And I think it also allows you a very rare opportunity to view the world in different perspectives, which I think also in turn makes you a more well-rounded person. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think sadly, a lot of Americans, you know, the, the stereotype around the world is Americans don't care about learning foreign languages. Whether it's our education system or our students, I don't really know which it is or if it's both. But um, I think that if people really understood how powerful uh, and how much learning a language can change your life for the better, I think more people would be more interested in it. I think uh, America's screwed. I don't think there is any turning back at this point. I I think what we're witnessing right now is... um, America losing its place in in the world. Not that we're going to be like, not that we're turning into a third world country, but we're, we're, we're witnessing us lose that whole, you know, uh, you know, you know, for example, uh, made in America used to have such a great like meaning to it that I think we're losing a lot of that. And we're losing a lot of our, um, our, our, um, I don't know what the word is. Cause I don't want to, our standing. Yeah. Okay. Cause I don't want to say like dominance. Cause that's not what I mean. Right. That sounds aggressive. No, no. I think you mean our international standing, just how, yeah. how we are perceived by other it's nations. Like, yeah, for, believe it or not, um, English is, uh, you know, there's all the political stuff that I'm not going to get into. But even just like, yeah, believe it or not, English is, yeah, we still use it, but it's not, we're not relying on English like we used to. It's like, oh, it turns out that, you know, one of the biggest, you know, the, this is a personal example. One of the biggest battery companies is in China. We don't need to really know English because... 99% of our business is done with um, people that speak Mandarin. Right. I, I also think, though, too, that, like you mentioned, the fact that a lot of the American education um, systems are based off of test scores and placement tests and, and, and you know, um, standardized, like, statewide tests, it, it doesn't do our students any good. Um, I think we I think we overtest children in general in the United States, um, and and I think it's just not a, a great way to really try to foster a lot of passion and encouragement for learning languages. If you just know I'm going to be tested all the time, I need to learn this stuff for the test, but maybe I'd rather learn how to be able to properly speak this language. So let me ask you this: As someone you've taught, mm-hmm. have you taught high school aged Americans? Uh-huh. You've taught high school-aged Americans and you've taught high school-aged Czech people. Do you mm-hmm. notice a like a higher caliber of student coming out of uh, the Czech Republic than America? 
Well, well, first off, I have to preface this by saying I've, I think now population-wise, I've taught more Czech students because I'm teaching at a, a technical school, which is like high school age students. Whereas for my German teaching, um, I was teaching students like at an after school, like extracurricular right. German class. But you've also done so it was a different environment. Uh, community college, which is essentially high school. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, you went there. You went there. Um, and well, this one actually, it, it's not a community college anymore. It's a, it's actually a four year college. Okay. But, um, but anyways, um, I would say, right. Um, for sure. But I would say that the, the most important thing that I've seen the difference with Czech students versus American students is it seems that um, a lot of the students here in the Czech Republic tend to be a little bit more mature and a little bit more independent with you can, I can trust them to, um, you know, I, I'm not thinking of any good examples. I'm drawing a blank right now, but like, I don't know. I just, with, with American students, it's, it's hard to say because the kids I taught were all, they were there because they wanted to be well. Either their parents wanted them to right. be there, or or they wanted to be there. And so I had a really good. But experience you had a, it was with them a more focused all... group of people that were there for Correct. a purpose rather than just like, oh well, Correct. it's third period, time to go to German because right. I had to choose something. Exactly, and I also think too that it's a it's a it's hard to compare because it's it's a completely different environment. I think that in the Czech Republic. They, they need to learn English for other reasons than why an American would learn a foreign language, right? Why um, do they need to learn it? Why, why do the Czechs need to learn English? Yeah. If they want to ever work outside of the Czech Republic or do any business with any other countries. And for us Americans, um, it's just for the hell of it kind of thing? Sadly, I think, yes, I think we need, I don't know how we could do this, but I think we need a cultural shift of people realizing the importance and the benefits of a, of a foreign language that gives you a more deeper meaning than just we're doing it for the hell of it. Right. I think doing it for the hell of it might be great to get your feet wet and get started, but learning languages is a lot of work. And if I'm just doing it for the hell of it, when the, when the, what's the saying, when the going gets tough, the, the tough get going or, or what's, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Boom, before the game. <laughs> <laughs> right but but yeah so so for me i think it just really depends on how you see yourself using this language in your life which is why when i taught those german classes i would always give a survey after the first class and ask the students why are you learning german and what do you want to do with it because if you're learning german because you're your mom or your dad is sending you to class. Out of the class. All they really care about. Well, Get yes, out. no. All, all they really care about is that their kids know a couple vocab words. If you're learning German because you might want to take a trip to Germany, you need to know some basic survival German, mm -hmm. right? Like I don't know, ich möchte wo ist die Toilette? Just very basic German things, right? Um, I mean, that's not German, right? <laughs> that's not German, but that that would be I useful in the Czech German Republic if you're not learning that Czech. Was, I was bored. No, I'm kidding. We'll have to change that. <laughs> <laughs> I see how it is, Jerry. Um, but yeah, so I would just say I'm those listening. are uh, those are just some some big things though that make a make a difference between the two. Yeah. No. Uh, okay. Because I, I I asked that not really feeling like that's the case. Not feeling like uh, Americans are at some sort of. I mean, besides for the language thing, I don't. Uh, I take that back. Maybe they are. But I was like, I don't get the sense that. 
America is putting out workers that are less prepared than than other countries, theoretically speaking. Right. Well, I think a lot of that also, though, has to do with our higher education system. So colleges and universities. Right. Um, because I don't think I don't know what the, the statistics are, but I highly doubt we have. Um, I would I would guess that American high schools ranked globally are probably below the top 20. Probably. I would probably. say. I, but, but I'm not 100 percent sure. So don't quote me on that. But I think higher education in America is actually fairly good. I mean, that's why you have a lot of international students coming to the States for college or to go to a university. Right. Rich ones. Filthy well, rich sure. ones. That can pay. Right. The crazy prices you have to pay. But yeah, no, that's that's mm-hmm. fair. It's a good point, Chad. Uh, yeah, this all this stuff is making me feel like I'm wasting my time. And it's like you need to get back on that uh, language learning horse and make sure you're sharp. Right. Um, did you know that less than 1% of adults today are proficient in a language, in a foreign language, that they studied in a U.S. classroom? That's noteworthy considering that in 2008, almost all high schools in the country, 93%, offered foreign language classes, according to a national survey. Well, once again, that goes back to my point about the language not having any ties or connections to their everyday life, right? So so if you don't have a family member who speaks the language, you don't have any friends to speak the language with, you'll take your four years of Spanish or French or Mandarin or whatever, and then once, you're, once you've graduated from high school, you never do anything with the language again, which I think is such a shame um, because... I think we would have better relations with other people in other countries if Americans were more open and willing to learn foreign languages and also continue the learning process after they graduate. I think a lot of, sadly, a lot of high school students, I think once they graduate high school, they're like, okay, I'm done with, if they don't go on to college, they're like, okay, I'm, I'm done with learning. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, I think life is a, is a process where you need to be learning all the time, regardless if it's foreign language learning, learning for your job, um, just reading to keep your mind sharp, whatever. I feel you on that. Yeah. That's yeah. I'm not good at that either. And that's why, I mean, I'm, I'm terrified though. So I guess that helps. At least I have that. Where it's like I don't want to lose it, but I'm not really good at keeping up with my German, and it, it's that's constantly in the back of my head. Where it's like, yeah, and it could, it, I I could very easily have some attrition issues. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll start sending you lots of German memes. German memes will be coming your way. Yeah. Keep your German language yeah. skills sharp. <laughs> your girlfriend will be very <laughs> offended to find out that she might not get any postcards or. Uh, or care packages, but I get, <laughs> <laughs> I get I get one I get one biweekly. <laughs> right, right. Don't tell her our little secret. <laughs> she had to go and broke some sure. care packages. <laughs> right. Uh, oh man. But uh, um, I I just want to recap a couple things that I think we should we have mentioned and we should mention to any of our listeners out there involved in the U.S. education system, especially in high schools. Um, either taking or teaching a foreign language, I think we need to make the languages more communicatively taught. So less time and emphasis on grammar, especially not in English. Um, I think it's also crucial to give students kind of a connection um, or a tie with this language and their own personal lives and their interests. 
Um, is there anything else you would like to uh, give our listeners out there, Jared? I, I don't think there's anything you can do. I think we're screwed. I'm not even kidding. I, I think that okay. we've, we've like, it takes, it just seems like it would take so much change in our mentality for um, us to actually, do you think that, I mean, I mean, obviously it would have to happen more locally or something, but I mean, I, okay, I'll also put it this way. I, all you as the teacher can really focus on are the students in front of you too. So it's like you mm-hmm. can talk about how doomed the entire system is, but you, you, like all you can focus on is the the students that are in front of you. And honestly, when I was a when I was a German teacher and an ESL teacher back in the states, for me, if I could impact one or two students, I was happy. Yeah. Because you can't make all your students happy. You can't get them all interested. Obviously, in an ideal world, if I had a student a class of twenty five students. I'd love to have all 25 of them be passionate and motivated about learning the language, but that's just not a realistic uh, environment um, at all whatsoever. But um, I think I think my outlook is a little bit more optimistic than you. Maybe one because I'm a language teacher, and I think if I had your your view, um, I probably would quit my career as a language <laughs> teacher. Maybe, um, but I think I think you're right. It is a big problem, and there are a lot of changes that need to be made. But I think if enough teachers can impact those few students and make those little small changes, there might be a glimpse of hope. Maybe. And maybe once, uh, you know, maybe we, us, we as Americans are more reactionary. But maybe once that reaction happens, we start realizing that, um, even like in business, for example, maybe you start realizing that I think a language course should be more of a requirement if you're going to take some sort of business program at college. So maybe you should also be prepared for that bit language course in high school. Um, mm-hmm. So I think even though it could be a reactionary thing, maybe once it starts to become a little bit more aware to us that um, that's necessary, uh, it, like it maybe it will trickle down from college. I have, I have two things to add. One, I think if you start learning a language in college, it's it's too late. I don't want to discourage anyone. <laughs> Give up from from Kill learning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to discourage anyone from from taking a language Close in college. I think that's great, but but realistically speaking, I think we honestly need to start kids in kindergarten or middle school at the latest with I'm languages with because because it's just high school is already late. College is even later, especially if depending on you you know the field you want to work in. You may not have the time, the money, or the opportunities to go abroad and really develop a good proficiency with the language, which means you've taken all these college courses, you've spent all this money and time, and then you get a job, and then your language skills might not be nearly proficient enough, and then you have to learn all that on your own. And by the time you're in high school, unless you really want to take a language, it's kind of like a second thought. It's not like... Well, which you know, I've been taking French for six years, so I'm gonna keep doing that. It's more like a, oh, I, I, I I'm in, I, I want to continue playing my tuba, or I can take a language course. Which one am I gonna take? Is sometimes how it goes, and it's like, that in itself is part of the problem. Where it's like, I, I don't even think it should be a, a uh, like a an option. It should be like this. Mm-hmm. This is seems like an obvious important thing to learn to me. Oh, for sure, I I agree. So hopefully there will be a change sometime in the near future. You never know. Um, but I also do have to really 
um, commend all of the language teachers who are really trying to fight the good fight in the United States and uh, push this agenda of a more global um, and open world where students are able to learn languages and uh, have a passion for it. Also, one thing I'll say, <laughs> I always do this after your beautiful conclusions. I'm like, I'm not done. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is a little uh, thing that helps uh, English speakers outside of America is that almost every other country naturally has way more in American slash English, British, whatever the English input is. Um, and it's way easier mm -hmm. for that to be available than it is for that stuff to be, especially not only that stuff, but that stuff that's also entertaining and part of pop culture. Right. I agree. Actually, fun fact. Did you know that in the Netherlands, I have been told by a few Czech people here, um, in the Netherlands, all of the movies, they don't actually dub. Mm -hmm. They just put either um, Dutch subtitles or English subtitles, right. which is a big reason why a lot of Dutch people speak such great English is because they're watching hundreds of thousands of hours of movies. And they have no choice in but English. To, to at least listen to, yeah, to listen, but to listen to it mm -hmm. in English. Because I've been told by a few uh, of my colleagues here in the Czech Republic, they really wish they had more opportunities to watch movies in English and not be dubbed over in Czech. Yeah. Do you, is there stuff you can give them? It's hard, too, because you uh, can't well, give them, like, DVDs. Right, because of the country codes. So, so I mean, really, well, the beauty of the Internet is, you, you know, if it's not restricted or uh, the IP address doesn't work, you can, uh, you know, watch a lot of movies online. And I've found out that in the Czech Republic, the rules about downloading from the Internet are a lot less strict than the United States. Basically, their rules are, at least from what some of my students have told me, is that if it's up on the Internet, you are free to download it. However, <laughs> you're not free to upload every everything wow. you have. So, yeah, so it's a completely different um, so kind of mentality me here with the Internet. That because you're in the Czech Republic and we're doing a podcast, we could be playing all the music we want because it's like, hey, it's on the Internet. Should I'm I, not so sure. Should about I start that. saying I'm that I'm sure. also in the Czech Republic? Stop saying I'm in Philadelphia all the time. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> I'm not sure how that works. Um, that's a great <clears throat> question. I'm not sure how all those laws work, but um, <laughs> that, that scared me a little bit. <laughs> that scared me too. <laughs> it always uh, comes in a little hot. Right. It's a great song, though. Speaking of songs, I think we should move on to our song of the yeah, pod. What do you think? I think so. So as I mentioned earlier this episode, um, I just had a weird feeling that Jared was a little little uptight today, a little angry. So I tried to send him some <laughs> calming music. And first I did send him some Norwegian uh, bossa nova, which I really like, but um, that's that's okay. We can save the it for another time. The only reason I didn't want to choose that song is because I thought you just picked it out of nowhere. I was like, oh, I was no. like, where'd you? That's why I asked you if you like. I was like, is there anything, even anything you can say about this song, or did you just like find some random nor like foreign song? Right. Do you? you um, I'm always shocked by the stuff you listen to. <laughs> I listen to. That's the beauty of having the two of us uh, suggesting songs because we do listen to completely different stuff. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, but this week we're actually that sounds like something going... that would like be playing in like a. Like a cigar bar on a cruise ship or something like that. Where do you think I where do you think I spend my time on the weekends, Jared? I go to Prague and I go to these jazz Hades. cruise boats and just hang out, right? 
That's actually uh, that's actually a traditional Bossa song, but we'll, we'll we'll talk about that later because that's not our song of the pod. Um, our song of the pod for this episode is actually by an American artist. However, I believe he's from Hawaii. He's from um, one of those Jack Johnson eating places for sure. Uh huh. Um, and the song is called Bell. And Jared, can you tell our audience what Bell means? Like Mosheri, uh, is that what it means essentially? I mean, it means beautiful. Oh, okay. Yeah, Bell. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the reason why I picked this song was because it has what? Let me count the languages here. I think there's four, five. And um, the song's only see, like a least, minute and a half long. Yeah, but we have we have Spanish, I believe. Yeah, Spanish, um, French, and then also Italian. Italian, but okay. Italian, thank you. <laughs> and English, so four. Okay. So yes, so the whole song it's it's yeah, it's only like a minute and a half long, I think. 143 okay. to be exact actually. Um but it has a great feel to it, great vibe to it. Very Jack and he Johnson-y. says Yes, for sure. Sounds like you should be if running through a, a field somewhere. Or just or just sitting sitting on like a porch with like the hearing the waves crash along the shore. Oh yeah. Like. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like chilling yeah. in a hammock <laughs> for sure. I, I can sure. totally imagine waves like uh, swooshing in the background. Right. And so here he says, um, Oye Linda, which means like, um, I don't know, like, hey, beautiful. Um, Bella que fa, which is uh, um, Italian. Um, bonita, bonita que tal. So beautiful, beautiful, how are you? Just has a great melody. I just I just absolutely love the song. But it's cool because it, it has four different languages and the song isn't even two minutes long. Yeah. Um, and so, so, Jared, if you were to take a stab at the meaning of the song, what do you think the song is about? Ooh. I mean, he's clearly talking to some woman that he finds beautiful, asking if she will uh, go on a date with him. I, I think, okay. I mean, that's probably not, I, I mean, there's know. no wrong I, answers here. Oh, really? Because that feels like a wrong I, answer. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, the way I started my response definitely <laughs> made it seem like one. So that's my fault. My bad, buddy. Um, I would say at least my interpretation of it is I really like the line where he says, I don't understand French, so you'll have to speak to me some other way. And so he's speaking in all these languages, and I'm wondering if all these languages aren't sufficient enough to say what he wants to say so she needs to speak to him in another way so is he saying like there aren't the right words for me to say what i want to say to you or something like that i don't know maybe i mean this is all this is all interpretation so this is why music is great i mean yeah absolutely um and it's it's really amazing that the i can tell you as a guitarist the guitar chords are really cool they're very jazzy I'm pretty sure the first chord is either a G major six or a oh, G a minor six. So yeah, so so um, yeah, and the, and it's just great. I love the accordion melody. I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> is that accordion. A G, is that it? <laughs> Play it again. I don't know. I don't. A G minor six. Okay, uh-huh. so this is a this is a G major. Uh huh. So that would be, so that's G minor. Uh huh. G minor six. Is that it? So. Sounds kind of right. Might be right. Yeah, maybe. There you go. Maybe. There you go. <laughs> I'll have to look it up again because there was a, at some point I could actually play this one. Um, but 
just like language learning, lang- being able to speak a language is a skill, same as a musical instrument. And if you don't play it, you lose it. You get that. I've definitely gotten some guitar attrition over the years from all the music I used to be able to play. But anyways, check out our Song of the Pod mm-hmm. on our Twitter page, Untranslatable1. Um, maybe I'll start to post these on Facebook as well. Okay. Um, I think that might be good. Um, so we'll, we'll post this one up on Facebook when this drops don't as well. Don't hold your breath on that, people. Uh, Remember the uh, Instagram debacle of a couple episodes ago? That's true. <laughs> that's true. The, it sounds like sounds like you're a history Just in case. teacher. The Instagram debacle of episode 26. <laughs> Just in case, uh, follow us on, on, on Twitter, on Translatable 1, because it will be there. That's right. That's right. At the same time every um, day, or every after every episode. Exactly. So check that out. Bell by Jack Johnson. We hope you enjoy it. Um, you're able to... Uh, here a couple different languages, so you get some input in um, a lot of the romance languages. Um, and if you have a, uh, a lucky uh, man or lady in your life, play this for them. Just like uh, Chad, I'm sure it'll Chad set the mood right. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, Jared, speaking of uh, learning foreign languages, I have been trying my best to learn as much Czech as I can while I'm here. So I want to give you a phrase I have now been using quite often, um, which is, um, well, I'll tell, I'll tell you the phrase in Czech, and then I want to see if you can guess it. Okay. A little extra untranslatable for the pod. So the phrase is, <clears throat> Mluvim trochu Czeski. Mluvim trochu Czeski. Well, Czeski is Czech. Yes. Czech Republic or Czech? Czech language. Okay. How do you say Czech Republic? Um, I think it's just um, Czeskie Republiki. Okay. But I might be wrong on that one. So um, don't hold me to that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I speak a little Czech. Okay. Okay. That's what that phrase means. I speak a little Czech. I might have to. Um, is speak. I might yeah. have to replace. Mluvite Anglitsky. With Mluvim Trochu Czeski. Mluvim Trochu Czeski. Okay. I actually sound more like a question. Maybe it would be more. Right, like, that's uh, a good point. Mluvim trochu Czeski. Mluvim trochu Czeski. Okay. So yes. <laughs> so for our listeners out there who do speak a little bit of Czech, uh, well, you probably already know this phrase, so I guess it's irrelevant. <laughs> but for those of you who are learning Czech and are starting to feel more confident about your Czech abilities, you can toss out mluvim trochu Czeski. Um, the next time you're out and about and speaking with some Czech people. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, yes. So that brings us to our quote of the pod. And I wanted to um, find a good inspirational quote related to languages. And so I picked one from, um, I think, one of the best, um, Nelson Mandela. And the quote is, if you talk to a man in a language he understands, that goes to his head. If you talk to him in his own language, that goes to his heart. And I find this very true. Hmm. What do you think about it, Jared? If you talk to a man in a language you understand, that goes to his head. Mm-hmm. So is that essentially saying if you tell them what they want to hear? I don't really, I don't know if no, I fully understand no, no, that. No, no, no. I think, I think it's better said, like, if you talk to a man in a foreign language that he understands, it will go to his head or his brain. If you talk to him in his native language or his own language, oh. it goes to his heart. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely something, at least for me, as someone that is conversational in German, but by no means fluent, 
where I'd say you're fluent. There is a a comfort to going back to, uh, for example, say you know have, I don't know going back to your native tongue and being like, like this 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 is this understanding is stronger than just like a I know the words you're saying kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's like an extra filter when it's coming in a foreign language, right? You got to really more, think about more it. You have to process yes. it. Exactly. Whereas if you hear something in your native language, it, it just goes straight to your. You just understand it immediately. Right. right. I don't have to. Yeah, I'm not decoding it as I'm as I'm listening to you. Exactly. So I yeah. So I think that's very true. So to all of our language learners out there. Keep this in mind when you're talking to people while you're abroad or even in the States and someone talks to you. If you really want to appeal to their emotions or to their hearts, speak to them in their native language if you can. Yes. I agree with that. So, so yeah. So, I think that's a, it's a good quote. Very true. Very practical. And uh, let us know if you have any language quotes that uh, you'd like to give us at our uh, Twitter page, Untranslatable1. Please follow and subscribe. We'd love to uh, have you take a look at some of our awesome clips and pictures on our Instagram page, Untranslatable Podcast. Check us out on Facebook, Untranslatable Podcast as well. And uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts, your untranslatables, and any other things you want to share with us at untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. We really thank you all for your support. Uh, We really appreciate it. And we look forward to uh, talking with you next time.